Hello and welcome to the Roxine Queens podcast. In this episode, we meet music management and PR business owner Lulu Davis. I headed down to South London to meet her at the Incendia Music Offices, aptly located above a tattoo parlour. Needless to say, it was a busy place, so please excuse the background bustle. Here's Lulu to introduce herself. My name is Lulu Davis and I run Incendia Music. We're a management and PR company based in South London. Um, we work with a diversity of acts ranging from rock, prog, metal, um, pretty much bands all across that kind of spectrum really. And we specialise in developing up and coming, unsigned, independent artists, taking them to the next level really. That's kind of you know what we aspire to do and hopefully we, we do a pretty good job of it. So Yeah. I think I've heard, um, is it Brutai that you manage and stuff? I think I've heard them on Radio 1 and stuff. So. Yep, yep, Brutai, uh, they released their debut album in 2016 and following that they were nominated for a Golden God. Um, they played Download Festival, they've had like mass media coverage, they, you know, it was a great album. They're just currently in the studio at the moment writing the second one, so exciting times ahead for those Ooh. guys. What drove you to set up your business? So I studied uh, music and entertainment industry management at the University of Hertfordshire and whilst studying I endured quite a few internships. I worked at the Noise Cartel, Century Media in Los Angeles, Live Nation and before uni when I was in college I actually did an internship at Spine Farm as well and I think my kind of mindset was that I didn't want to leave university without having a job. So I kind of used all of my experience and contacts that I acquired over the years to sort of just set up my own little business in my bedroom. It wasn't really a business back then, it was kind of just me and my laptop and um, a Facebook page. Just yeah. kind of like, you know, pursuing a few PR campaigns and I managed a friend's band for a bit and just sort of built up from there really organically. And seven years later, here we are. <laughs> I started my business with 50 pounds and I bought myself some business cards and a domain name, and which I still have to this day. <laughs> um, I've changed the branding a little bit over the years and made a new website and that sort of thing. Yeah, off I went really. <laughs> That's amazing. I always think you need oodles of money to set up something like that. You just have to be really resourceful, I think, ultimately. And like, it's all about contacts and relationships. You don't necessarily need any like collateral in terms of business assets and that sort yeah. of thing. I think as a business expands, like last year I, I got my first office. So I've had an office for like a year now, but prior to that I just worked from home. It was very much a freelance, remote way of working. But I think if you, know, you want people to take you seriously, you do have to kind of make that commitment to expanding and evolving and you know, not just sitting working in my pajamas. Has your degree been instrumental in your business? Are you very glad you got your degree essentially? Yeah, I think studying is a key part of learning the fundamental process behind how the music industry works, particularly when you're putting things into theory, like you know publishing and learning how the ecosystem of the industry works within record labels, management, booking, PR, etc. I learned a great deal. I'm, I'm kind of wishing I actually paid more attention in my law modules, um, <laughs> which is something I, I sort of mentioned in an alumni masterclass a few months ago, because... Anne Harrison has basically been my best friend the past few months just wow. sitting there just reading through her books going oh my gosh contract law I need to do this this and this yeah. but again it's 
until you get to that point in your career, you don't realise how important it was when you were studying at the time. You just kind of think, oh, this is boring, you know. Um, sorry. <laughs> but, yeah, I think, you know, studying a, a degree does play a key part. It looks good on your CV. It shows as well that if you can get an equilibrium of practical experience versus the education side of things, um, puts you in a really good position for employment going forward, obviously, if you're not looking to start your own business but looking to get employed by someone having you know the commitment to studying a degree is is good back to initially kick-starting your whole business was it really scary or intimidating i think starting a business and not actually knowing what you're doing is a little bit daunting but i kind of just i just went with the flow again it was a very organic growth i wasn't expecting anything massive to happen in the early stages it was a case of I want to help bands, I want to see what I can do. And over the years, what I could do has sort of increased in sort of calibre, I guess. Mm. Um, you know, I wasn't expecting to obtain major record deals for bands within the first year of me operating. That wasn't the goal. It, the goal yeah. was slow and steady, wins the race kind of thing. Um, I think, you know, just even just getting a review in a print magazine or getting your first national radio play or, you know, your first TV play on Skulls or Kerrang or whatever it may be, those were all really big achievements for someone who was just starting out and just yeah. kind of winging it, really. <laughs> as much as I hate to say it, it's kind of, you learn as you go along, but the more people you speak to, I'm very lucky to have had some really good mentors in this industry who have always been there to readily give advice or you know just talk me through certain things if I've needed help but to be honest with you it has been quite an autonomous experience over the years in terms of you make mistakes you learn from them you move on you grow you evolve yeah that's the kind of process that I've taken do you have any advice for, for somebody that is maybe thinking of taking the plunge to start their own business in the industry yes Hmm. I guess it would depend what business you're starting. I think it's important to have a clear goal of the services that you're providing and who you're providing them for. Um, having a good contact base and the networks and relationships already in place before you start a business is important because you can't start a business and then make the relationships afterwards. You still have to kind of have that base knowledge of what you're doing and have had some experience, contrary to my personal situation. You've got to be the best at what you do and strive to give good results for, for your clients and to be personable and make some really good relationships because that's going to put you in a better position than starting up a business that doesn't really know what they're doing or who they're aiming to target. You know, I, I see it quite a lot. I see a lot of people who have like, you know, Facebook pages that are basically their business and it's all well and good in the freelance industry kind of looking to provide a service for bands if you want to get like you know experience and whatnot but I think it's just being aware of the prices you charge the reputation that you maintain what you can realistically offer I've seen a lot of people who have offered the world and not been able to deliver yeah and and vice versa I've seen some really great companies out there who have you know remained modest in what they do and they've done some amazing work for, for their clients and that's only you know, enabled more people to be attracted to them. So I think it's important just to kind of have a clear vision of what you're doing, um, provide an honest, reliable service is what I would say in this current industry because it's so competitive. Being a good person and doing honest work that's, you know, genuine 
is is way better than all these you know cowboy outfits that aren't really doing much but are promising the world for bands and that's not right what is the best part about what you do do you think Ooh, <laughs> that's a really tough one actually um obviously management and pr kind of have two different dynamics um with management you have to be a lot more assertive a lot more authoritative with your bands and kind of you know whip them into submission so to speak um <laughs> you know there's a lot of babysitting involved a lot of the time it's kind of like you need to do this and you need to do that and blah 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 um whereas with pr it's all very much the kind of like creative side you get to like make these really interesting stories and pitch them to magazines and create features that bring a band to life within the media so I think I really do like having that partition, if you like, of sort of some days being like, you know, okay, I'm going to go out in true Lady Boss style and manage these bands. And then like other days I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go into my little creative hub, sit down and really think about what I'm doing with this band and how yeah. we can like build them as like a brand and what their message is and that sort of thing, really. But I just love my job in general and the bands that we work with. I'm very, very lucky to work with some amazing bands that are just, you know, an absolute dream to work with really cooperative they're creative they're you know great I mean comparatively I have worked with some divas and I think everyone's going to experience that at some point (laughs) because you run obviously kind of two different strands of the business how important is time management for you like do you set aside different days for different (laughs) business parts or yeah my life is basically a spreadsheet um I have a lot of different like project timelines and that like you know I have to basically segment everything so it's kind of like you know one day I'll do all management stuff one day I'll do all PR stuff other days it'll be split one day's admin Um, I guess I plan my week ahead sort of from Monday so I kind of go okay what are my priorities this week we'll set out this this and this yeah it's, it's really important to be able to sort of multitask but do it in a kind of strategic way yeah because otherwise you just get lost and then you don't know what you're doing and especially when you're handling multiple projects at once you've got to organise interviews for one band and then another band and then another band. So you have to make sure that everything's all recorded in the spreadsheet so you know exactly what you're doing. Mm. My diary, my calendars are constantly popping up with notifications. It's, yeah, but it's an essential way of, you know, you know, running a, a, a successful and streamlined business is, mm. you know, is time management and being able to multitask effectively and yeah. sort of being organised. You were saying earlier, you end up sometimes having to kind of babysit the bands yeah is management really stressful it can be yes when things are going swimmingly it's great and when everything's organized and things get delivered in a timely manner and opportunities present themselves and you can kind of capitalize on everything working really well when it's a mess it's a complete mess it's very stressful If, if assets aren't delivered in time if the artwork's wrong if manufacturing companies don't ship the goods on time, if bands, I don't know, don't organise their video shoot properly, (laughs) or someone comes back with a really poor edit of a music video and we need to get it done. There's so many different problems that can arise in a managerial situation, but it's about how you manage them. So you can either get really stressed and annoyed and, you know, flip out, or you can go, okay, right, this hasn't worked out this time, let's learn from this move forward we'll find an alternative person for the next time we use this service you know it's just again it depends on the situation but it's also very much a relationship you have with your bands as well communication is key 
I'm constantly in communication with my bands on a daily basis. We have, you know, various different groups that we all converse in. Anything official gets sent by email and then relayed in the groups to make sure that everyone's received it. I'm constantly pressing for responses from all members of the band so yeah. that we have to go ahead. I don't typically like relationships that aren't transparent in management. I believe that, you know, you need to get the band's approval for everything. It's always good to know their vision and what they want and kind of combine your advice and your knowledge and make sure that everyone has like a happy medium of what we're going to achieve and how we're going to achieve it. So yeah, I mean it can be stressful but when it, when it goes good it's, it's, it's really good. Would you say that there's a big gender imbalance in the alternative rock music industry? Do you think it is a lads club? I'm just curious. I mean, typically rock and metal is a male-dominated industry. That goes without saying. The statistics are there. It's, you know, the proof is in the pudding. However, I wouldn't say that there's a massive gender imbalance in terms of, you know, when, when you're looking at the industry as a whole, you have a lot of female PRs. There's a lot of female people in, in marketing. When you're looking at the managerial side, that is predominantly men. I genuinely know maybe one or two female managers. Yeah, it's very much a boys club, definitely. From your perspective, what do you think the industry could do more of to be more inclusive, not just, I guess, for women? To be honest with you, starting at the grassroots level of when people go into education, for example, and they start learning the fundamentals of how the industry works, I think maybe sort of raising awareness at that point could further inspire people to start earlier on in their careers to kind of pursue things like management or booking or wherever it may be and just enticing more women to become involved in the industry. I think it's just raising awareness, maybe I think, was it Music Planet Live I think it was? They started an, an initiative recently to entice more female promoters to step forward and learn the ropes and they were going to give some funding to them or something like that. Initiatives like that are going to encourage people to sort of step forward and go, okay, all right, I'm willing to learn, I want to try this. But it's about putting yourself out there and don't be afraid to do it. At the end of the day, regardless of your gender or colour or whatever it may be, people are going to critique you, not because of your gender, or, but because of your ability at the end of the day. If you're rubbish at your job, you're rubbish at your job. It doesn't matter whether or not you're a man or a woman. If, if you've got a passion for something and you actually really want to do it, there's nothing stopping you. Like, so just go for it. Yeah. Like you said, take your £50 and yeah. start a business. Get those business Do cards. it yourself if you think that someone's <laughs> not going to employ you or whatever. Yeah, exactly. What do you think about certain festivals, such as Brighton's Great Escape Festival, pledging to have 50% of the artists on the lineup as female by 2020? Like, how do you feel about all this? I've kind of had this discussion before and I see a lot of posters floating around whereby they've taken out all of the bands that don't have female members in. I don't necessarily think that festivals purposefully set out to book or not book bands with women in. I don't think that's the case. It's the case of what's hot, what's not, are these people talented? You could have 50 bands with loads of women in and they could all be completely rubbish. You could have 50 bands with loads of women in and they could all be absolutely fantastic and really competent at what they do. Similarly with men, there's loads of bands with men in that are great. There's loads of bands with men in that are rubbish. It's subjective to, you know, the actual talents and what you're listening to. I think it's, it's good to have the inclusion of women in, as a priority. I don't feel it's a necessity. I think that if you're good at what you do, that will prevail over your gender. And ultimately, I think in order for there to be equality, putting women in too much of a spotlight and saying we must 
include more women, that's not necessarily going to filter out talent, essentially. And, you know, I think it is really good that they're going to aim to seek out more female bands or have bands with women in or whatnot. But I don't think they should um, compromise on the talent and what they're looking for to have a strong bill of bands because ultimately you're not going to sell tickets if the bands aren't any good regardless of who's playing in them and that's kind of from a business perspective as well like looking at it from a festival booking perspective when people curate these lineups they do it from popularity of the bands and who's hot and what people are talking about if you're a female and you're in a band get yourself known get yourself out there get some pr do some marketing you know promote yourselves don't sit back and expect people to find you because that's not going to help you know festival bookers aren't just going to go onto facebook and type in bands with women in it's that's not how it works and again i think a lot of bands are reluctant to market themselves in that way as well yeah exactly so i think you know it's a bit of both really i think it's really good that festivals are striving to have more inclusion for the female gender but i don't necessarily think that compromising the quality of the lineup just for the sake of having women involved is a necessity because that's just going to affect the brand overall um but more can be done i think from both perspectives because you know obviously you need to seek out more female talent but female talent also needs to be self-promoted in order to be recognized but if you're good at the end of the day people will recognize you i don't think it's not a case of people purposely choosing oh i'm not going to book any women on this lineup it doesn't it doesn't really work like that and if it does and that's very wrong you know then you shouldn't be booking festivals yeah <laughs> roxy queens That's it for this episode of the Roxy and Queens podcast. If you have any comments or you would like to review the podcast, please do so on the available platforms such as iTunes. It'd be great if you could subscribe as well. That way you'd be able to find the podcast so much easier. You can also get in touch via our Tumblr page, roxyandqueenspodcast.tumblr.com. Thanks for listening and spread the word.